Hello and welcome to the State of the Fleet Industry, a weekly video series produced by Automotive Fleet Magazine. I'm Mike Antich, editor of Automotive Fleet, and today I'd like to examine what's occurring in the fleet industry for the week of November 28, 2022. For this week's episode, I'd like to discuss the emergence of home EV chargers as a brand new asset class that will now be managed by fleet managers. And I mean, fleet managers are already spread thin, so adding an entirely new asset class to manage, such as home EV chargers, is just one more thing to add to an already overcrowded plate of fleet responsibilities. And it's already starting to have an impact. One fleet manager I know estimates that he's spending 15 hours a week just dealing with EV home charger issues. The reality is that the overwhelming majority of fleet managers have never managed EV chargers as a corporate asset. So there is very little institutional knowledge on best practices in dealing with this topic. And in many ways, the fleets of today, using trial and error, are pioneering tomorrow's best practices in managing home EV chargers. So with this in mind, I'd like to examine the key questions about the management of home EV chargers and share with you how fleet managers are addressing these challenges. So here's the first question. Does the EV charger follow the EV? I mean, many companies, especially sales fleet, allow companies vehicles to be taken home by employees. When these company vehicles are EVs, home chargers are typically being installed at the employee's home. But what happens when an employee accepts a new position that requires relocation to another city or state or what about the employee who's terminated or who quits to take another job? What happens to the EV chargers that were installed in their homes? The growing consensus among fleet managers is that if the home charger is hardwired, no attempt will be made to recover it and it will remain with the house. And this appears to be an emerging best practice. Most companies are making the business decision that an installed home charger that is hardwired is a sunk cost. In other words, it is a cost that's already been incurred and this cannot be recovered. And to attempt to recover the charger would simply incur an additional charge on removing the installation. So, okay, here's another emerging industry best practice. And that is the development of a key waiver to be signed by employees for home EV installations that is codified in fleet policy. Increasingly, companies are involving their legal departments in developing policies and waivers regarding EV charger installations. At these companies, employees have to sign a waiver before the charger is installed in their home. And the waiver, in essence, says that the employee will hold the company harmless should anything go wrong with the installation. Upon signing the waiver, the employee, for all intents and purposes, owns the charger since the company does not want the charger returned at a later date. Third, and this is important to let employees know that home EV chargers are a taxable fringe benefit. I mean, just as a take-home fleet vehicle is a taxable fringe benefit, so too are home EV chargers. Since the company is acquiring the charger and paying for its installation, home chargers will be regarded as a taxable fringe benefit. And it's important that fleet managers update their fleet policies covering home chargers making the employees aware of this tax obligation. And this brings us to the fourth point, which is really the nuts and bolts of home EV charger installation, which gives credence to the saying, the devil is in the details. So how do you manage difficult installations? So typically a company fleet will acquire the charger, pay for its installation at the employee's home, and on average, 
the cost of a hardwired charger ranges from $800 to $4,200, sometimes $5,000, depending on the configuration of the employee's home. So, for example, one installation difficulty is when the home electrical panel is in a basement, which requires drilling holes through the ceiling to run the wiring. And another installation difficulty is when the fleet EV will be parked in a detached garage that's not connected to a power source or is located far from the main house. This sometimes requires trenching to run a cable underground through, the electric, through an electrical conduit. And in worst case situations, it may require cutting through the driveway surface itself to run the conduit and later to refill and repave the driveway. This will almost double the price of insulation. Sometimes, even when an installation goes smoothly, the employee homeowner will have a complaint about the installation. And here's a real world example. A company was able to install a charger on the outside of an employee's stucco home. To install the charger, it meant breaking the stucco and then patching new stucco around the installed charger. The employee complained of the off-color stucco patch in that it did not match the rest of the house and demanded that the home be repainted. I mean, what do you do? Does the company pick up this expense? In this case, the company did repaint, but is it a best practice? Probably not. And this possibly should have been covered in the legal waiver that was discussed earlier. And this is why that is a best practice. And here's another common installation issue, namely installing an EV charger in an older home. Many homes do not have up-to-date wiring to accommodate an EV charger. And in these cases, the home needs to be rewired, but who covers the expense of rewiring the home? One option that a fleet manager shared with me is to set a base cost for an EV charger installation, and everything beyond that is the expense of the employee homeowner. Other companies I've spoken to take a different approach. They'll split the additional cost with the homeowner. But again, there's no agreed upon best practice in situations such as this. And in other cases, I've heard of where the corporate risk department gets involved and vetoes the entire additional expense out of concern of potential liability exposure if something should go wrong. And another unknown or more importantly, a fairness issue, which is addressing the increased property value that occurs when the house electrical is rewired. I mean, does this benefit go to the employee? I mean, what are the fairness implications to financially benefit one employee and not others? And in some cases, the fleet department simply sidesteps the issue of having to deal with an older home by assigning the EV to another employee who lives in a newer construction home. And many of these issues can be addressed beforehand by surveying drivers about the age and condition of their homes and the suitability of installing an EV charger. But again, this is a policy that has not gained industry consensus, and we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out within the industry. And here's a, another potential installation pitfall. When outsourcing EV charger installations, some electrical installers have been known to try to negotiate installation costs uh, that are lower by not getting city permits. I mean, while this would reduce costs and it would expedite the installation, the potential liability far outweighs the benefit of saving a few bucks. The industry best practice here is to make sure that you follow the, to the letter of the law and comply with all regulations involving EV charger installations. You know, another EV option that's primarily used by centrally garage fleets is what is called depot charging. 
And the challenge here is supply constraints. You know, supply constraints are creating long lead times to get updated switch gears or upgraded transformers to replace outdated transformers that may currently exist. Today, if you were to order a new ADD transformer, the lead time is 12 to 18 months before you can ever even plug in a truck. The long lead time has nothing at all to do with insulation. Rather, it has to do with how long it takes to get the equipment. And lastly, it's important to give employees an idea on the increase they should anticipate in their home utility bill. I mean, usually employees are shocked when they get their first home utility bill following a charger installation, which depending on the utility can be up to $600. I mean, one fleet manager who I know who was part of this company's EV pilot said his first bill was $800. And you should instruct employees to inform the utility in advance that a charger is being installed in a home to see if they can get a discount on their bill or whether the company will reimburse them for the difference between what was incurred following the EV charger installation versus what was charged in the past. Also, you should let your employees know when is peak and when are off-peak hours for their local utility in order to minimize their billing charges. So in conclusion, these are just a sampling of some of the challenges facing the management of home EV chargers. And as I said earlier, the devil always seems to be in the detail. But little by little, the industry will develop the best practices that will eliminate these challenges. So with this as my final observation, I'd like to conclude my State of the Fleet Industry presentation for the week of November 28, 2022. And I'd like to thank you for watching.